Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. As we continue our spring cleaning series, we're talking about letting go of guilt and shame that bind us so that we can be free from the weight of it to embrace the calling of Jesus in our lives. We heard the story this morning of the transformation of the jailer who's freed from the the shame of failure, which allowed him to embrace his new life in Christ. But I really want to focus on our story from John for today because I think it's such a powerful story that draws the conclusion, a narrative arc that runs throughout the whole of the gospel. It is, of course, John's gospel, not Peter's gospel. And many commentators have noted the difference. In the book of Acts, there's no shortage of evidence of the importance of Peter and the leadership of the early church. But in John's gospel, there's There seems to be a different narrative playing out with this picture of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and this preferential treatment throughout all of the gospel for John over Peter. But ultimately, it is Peter who will lead the church, so this last story is critical in this gospel to show where things are headed. But it's also fascinating because of the unshiny version of Peter that we then encounter throughout all of John's gospel really emphasizes what's true in all of the gospels. Peter and all of the disciples are, in fact, very human. There's nothing shiny about any of them. They bumble along with the same fears, insecurities, regrets, mistakes as all of the rest of us. They were certainly not immune to the feelings of guilt and shame that can bind us all. And it seems to be precisely what we're encountering in our story for today. Peter has been frozen by the shame of his triple denial of Jesus in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest, on the night before his crucifixion. And now, here on the shoreline today, I imagine Peter nervously trying to make things right, and Jesus can see right through the chasm that this is causing between them. So Jesus begins this discourse to free Peter from the toxic shame that binds him. Now, I use the descriptor toxic shame on purpose. John Bradshaw wrote a book back in the 1980s about healing from our toxic shame. And it's fascinating because it begins by pointing out that while we often characterize shame as a universally negative feeling, it's actually essential to our human development and mental health. He talks about shame in relationship to creativity, for instance. He says, when we think we are absolutely right, we stop seeking new information. To be right is to be certain. And to be certain stops us from being curious. Curiosity and wonder are at the heart of all learning, he says. Plato says that all philosophy begins in wonder. 
So the feeling of absolute certainty and righteousness causes us to stop seeking and to stop learning. Our healthy shame, which is a feeling of our core boundary and limitedness, never allows us to believe that we know it all. Our healthy shame is nourishing in that it moves us to seek new information and to learn new things. He also talks about it in relationship to our spirituality. He says that our healthy shame is essential as the ground of our spirituality. By signaling us of our essential limitations, our healthy shame lets us know that we are not God. Our healthy shame points us in the direction of some larger meaning. It lets us know that there's something or someone greater than ourselves. Our healthy shame is the psychological grounds of our humility. So I think it's so important for us to recognize the healthy function of our shame in part because it's so much a part of our basic human psyche. The problem is when we move to a place of toxic shame. When our shame gets outsized in proportion to our other feelings of confidence and self-worth. Bradshaw says that toxic shame gives you a sense of worthlessness, a sense of failing and falling short as a human being. Toxic shame is a rupture of the self with the self. And the reality is that because shame is an essential part of our basic psyche, we're all prone to let it get outsized from time to time. And the question I want to wrestle with today is how do we keep this from becoming our default way of looking at ourselves through this lens of toxic shame? And as Christians, I think the key is right here in this exchange between Peter and Jesus that we read for today. Jesus looks at Peter and he sees his toxic shame. And so lovingly, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And this is one of those passages where I think the physical interaction, though we can't see it, could change dramatically our way of understanding what's happening here. Because I picture Jesus asking Peter this question, and Peter then looking down at his feet as he kind of mumbles, you know that I love you. You know that I love you, which is why this is killing me that I'm such a disappointment to you. You can't possibly love me the way that I love you because I'm such a failure. But Jesus simply says to him, feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, and I imagine Peter Peter is fidgeting even more now, getting redder in the face as he still looks at his feet with a bit more emphasis, saying, you know that I love you. And Jesus again says, feed my sheep. And this last time, I imagine Jesus saying, Peter, look, look me in the eye. Peter, do you love me? Now Peter says, yes, you know that I love you. And Jesus again says, feed my sheep. But as Jesus says that that last time, he's saying, do you love me? The one who is love. The one whose resurrection freed me and now frees you from the bondage of sin and death all that would diminish us. Do you love me? The one who embodies the truth that God loves you and forgives you of all 
that you could have ever done. And knows no end to this love. A love that you could never be separated from. Do you love me? Because if you love me in this loving exchange, you receive all the love that I have to give which makes you whole. Which says no to the toxic shame that's separating us now and threatening to keep you from then sharing this transformational love that I am giving you. If you love me, then dwell in a love that knows no end. Dwell in a love that forgives all, heals all. For if you love me, this shame you're holding on to is just a ghost. It's already been destroyed. So let it go. And now that you're free from it, look up at a world through the lens of this love that's filling you so you can feed my sheep with the same love that we share. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Toxic shame can be so absolutely crippling, and we often need someone to hold our hand to help us to see that there is another path, a path of love, a path of forgiveness. And sometimes we're so far down into that hole that we need someone with professional skills to help us find our way, but often we can help people not to descend so far into the darkness by being with them from the start. Jesus is calling all of us to feed his sheep. Feed them with the love that we receive. Feed them with the love that heals us and makes us whole. I spent last week in hours of conversation about long-range planning here at our church and also in the Loveland schools. They're two very different organizations, but there's also a common thread, particularly in our care for young people and our commitment to seeing them grow into resilient adults. And as we met with the school planning group the other night, one of the parents who works in mental health here in The city says, in southwest Ohio, we have the greatest capacity of all of the regions in our state for care of mental health for young people. And she said, though, that we still don't have the capacity that we need. She said, children's hospitals, great, but they do not have the capacity to help all of the families that are coming to them. She said, it'll take a whole community working together to help our children deal with the mental health crisis that we have. Here at Prince of Peace, our new vision document proposes that we commit to an ethic of all means all. We commit to an ethic of looking people in the eyes to let them know that this is a place where they are loved with a love that makes them whole. A love that promises that there is nothing that can separate them from the love of God. We describe it by saying that our community is enriched when acceptance, grace, and dignity are extended for every human life. As I looked out on graduates yesterday at our Loveland graduation, I had a prayer for them as I saw them coming forward with so much anticipation and joy in their eyes in the midst of this milestone. 
I was praying for them as they head into those next adventures of life, that they'll go knowing that Jesus says no to the toxic shame that will, they will undoubtedly encounter at some point through this great adventure of young adulthood. Because we all know the realities of disappointments, failures, insecurities that cannot completely be avoided, particularly as young adults. Even the most successful will know from time to time that voice that says, you are not enough. So I pray in those moments that they will remember the words of Jesus. And meet more, even more importantly, that they would encounter Jesus in us and in each other as we all commit to feeding the sheep with the love of Christ that heals all that might harm us. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.